This episode of the podcast is brought to you by biting into a hot pocket and it's simultaneously being frozen and hot as lava at the same time. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that had a really good debut and then fell off completely. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are discussing some of our favorite directorial debuts of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, As I mentioned in the last episode, I was surprised with not realizing that some directors that I thought, I was like, oh yeah, this is their first movie, I'm going to put this on, and then going on to their, you know, IMDb and looking up, I'm like, oh, they did another movie before it. Yeah. But are you counting, like... Like short no, films? No, I'm not, I'm not okay. counting short films and I'm not counting like direct-to-TV films and stuff okay. like that. Like And or, and usu- for the most part, I'm not counting um, a movie where there was like two directors okay. um, credited. Mm-hmm. So it's like this was their first feature like that was film them. that they were by themselves and they made it all entirely by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I, I was going to put Paul Thomas Anderson down where he, he I thought his, I thought his f- debut movie was, um, B- uh, Boogie Nights mm-hmm. and it's not, okay. it was a movie called Heart Eight and I've never seen Heart Eight. So you can't put it in. I can't put it in. I was like, <laughs> fuck, but apparently it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got, uh, John C. Riley, and it's kind of oh, like, okay. it's kind of like a classic, like, Hey, I'm, I learn how to play or like gamble and like count cards or whatever. And then, you know, he ends up getting caught and then he's got to deal with that. And it's like, there's been a hundred movies like that. Um, <laughs> but that was the first, but that may have been like, you know, one of the OGs, but apparently it's really good. Okay. Um, but anyway, that being said, uh, I have a, a, a pretty thick list here. Really? Yeah. I have a good, like six or seven plus honorable mentions. I've got like a lot. Uh, but I won't go into all of them. We'll go. I'll, I'll end up mentioning some of them as just like honorable mentions as well. Um, but my first one or mm-hmm. Zach. Yeah, I'll start this okay. one off. I feel right? like we're going to have a few overlaps. We might, we might, we might have an overlap with, with this first one, which is Sam Raimi's evil dead. That's actually my honorable mention. Cause I just, I feel like we've talked about like how much we love evil well, dead so the, much that I want to just, I want to mention it. I don't want to go more well, in depth. With I, it. The thing is, I, the, the only reason why I'm mentioning it and and it's not I mean yes I love the movie obviously mm-hmm. and and it's great and and whatnot but the main thing I want to talk about is and the reason why it, it did make my list is because of how they made it yes and how him and Bruce Campbell went door to door trying to figure out like who will so they literally movie. made a short film right mm-hmm. like couple like a couple minutes and they they literally premiered it inside of a fucking grocery store that they like where that, that after like it closed down they they were allowed to like show mm-hmm. and they went they went around from neighborhood to neighborhood and they were like hey um and like more like rich neighborhoods because they needed people that could actually fucking like you know spend money mm-hmm. so they were like hey this is what we're trying to do can you come and like look at this and see if you would be wanting to like invest in it so he, they got a bunch of like doctors, like literally like <laughs> random people that yeah. have no fucking like any, any type of credit in the film industry. Yeah. And you know, they were like, okay, look, we want to make this movie. This is what we're trying to do. And they, and they kind of put together a small little clip, a, clip, a couple clips of what they were trying to accomplish. And they ended up getting it funded. Mm-hmm. And these are like kids that are like, I think in college, never made a movie before, never acted in anything. They used to make fucking like movies, like home movies together. But this is like, a, they're actually trying to make a real, real film. Mm-hmm. And just that is for somebody like me is like super inspiring. Like 
like you know bootstraps get on the fucking ground and just do it like yeah. they're either i don't care if we don't have a budget i don't care if we're not professionals we have a vision we're, we're we, we want to accomplish it and that reason alone is is what you know the main reason why i really wanted to include it was because yeah i can talk about the movie and how great the movie is but the behind the scenes mm-hmm. and how they actually just were like, we're going to fucking do it. We're just a bunch of young 18, 19 year olds who want to have fun and make a movie. And it shows like the movie's got that charm, right? Mm-hmm. It's got that, it's got that classic, um, you know, strung together charm. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's amateur, but it, it, in like an endearing way. Yeah. And also it, it comes, it's still pretty scary. Eh, it kind of, I think so. I think the deadites are very, yeah, I know you, you, you always say that you always like love how they look. I love, them more than I love the the newer one. Yeah, the yeah, one yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and just again, like the whole idea of like not having a budget, so using like the same sound effects for fucking everything, <laughs> which is it, it's got a charm to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept of like not being able to actually have a creature, so let's just run with the camera in in, yeah. in the woods and just put which a cool sound so effect, well. and it works great. Um, so you know, just being like an aspiring filmmaker or like anybody who is, I think reading up and looking up on uh, as to like how they ended up coming, um, making that film Mm -hmm. is, is just what makes it so, uh, it really has like a special place for me. Yeah, exactly. And then we got Sam Raimi's Spider-Man out of it too. You did. You got, well, you got evil dead two. Mm -hmm. You got fucking army of darkness. You got Sam, you got Spider-Man one and two. We don't talk about number three. Yep. Uh, we got like placid. No, not like placid. We got crawl. You got Crawl. Well, he didn't actually direct that. I think he produced it. God damn it. Um, and then we got uh, Drag Me to Hell. Yes. So many classics, in mm-hmm. my opinion, man. I Very fun ones. Sam Raimi. Uh, but yeah, so The Evil Dead is definitely um, had, had to be in there just because it's just it's just such a fucking great story of like people who've never made a movie and they were like, fuck it, we're going to make a movie. Yeah. And it's great. Nice. Um, sticking with the fun horror aspect to it, though is Edgar Wright's first film, uh, Shaun of the Dead. I love Shaun of the Dead. I think it's probably one of my maybe top five favorite zombie films, especially thinking, too, that it is such a comedy it's, on top of everything. It's, like, such a chill zombie movie. It is. <laughs> but, it like, it works so well. Like, the scene, like, too, when, like, they're just throwing, like, the, um, what is it? The uh, vinyl. Yes, the vinyl records. Yeah. And, like, they're like, wait, no, 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 not that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a fun movie, and it, it's, like, a style that, like, Edgar Wright carried on with his trilogy, um, where it was just Shaun of the Dead, World's End, and then um, Hot Fuzz. Right, like Hot it, Fuzz, yeah. It, it just created, like, this fun... Like, they're not connected in any way, but the way that he kind of, like, made them all feel like they would be in the same universe... Yeah of being, like, these horror films with, like, a comedy aspect to them. And it's just, like, such a fun, like, British humor to it. Yeah. That I think at the time when, like, I think it came out was, like, what, 2005, 2004, somewhere around there? Yeah. It's, um, it's, been, it's been a while. It, it was a comedy that, like, really was lacking in America, I think. Like, we didn't have, like, well, that that's kind the of, thing. like... The, the, I think that that movie didn't quite hit for me because I didn't understand... Like the comedy the, to it, it's so dry. Yeah, exactly, and that's and, what I loved about and it. And when I, and at that age, like I definitely was like, I don't really the movie, the pacing of the movie is kind of slow for mm-hmm. a zombie film. And again, it's like a hangout movie, kind of more than anything. And I like it now. I love it now. Yeah. But like watching it when I was 13, 14, I was like, this is 
not a zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is more of just like zombies are happening. Yeah, they're they're, they're kind of just a backdrop for mm-hmm. like just hanging out with these characters. But of course, watching it now, I acknowledge that that's kind of the charm of the film is you want to hang out with those characters. Yeah. And the fact that like it just created this legacy for like Edgar Wright of like making all of these fun films afterwards. Yeah. And then now with Last Night in Soho that we were talking about before the podcast that you saw. Yeah. And you liked. I liked it. Yeah. It wasn't the greatest movie, mm-hmm. but I but think it's worth watching. It's giving him a platform to do stuff like this. Yeah. Fucking beautifully shot. My God. The fucking <laughs> the cinematography in the movie is so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So uh, number two for me is Sam Mendes with American Beauty. Yeah. So uh, we, I didn't know that that was his first film. Yeah, it was. I think um, we reviewed it, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did it on the podcast. I love American Beauty. It's fun. It it's it's got like those scenes where it's like again, Family Guy kind of like recreated it, and I didn't know where it came from. Where yeah, it's like the, chicken the wings. rose petal, yeah, the <laughs> fucking chicken wings with like the rose petals and everything like yeah. that. Um, so that was always really fun. The the ending is fucking nuts. Where like the dad comes in to like shoot him. Yeah, and then, well, A, you find out that the father's actually a homosexual, mm-hmm. and he's, like, been fucking, like, compressing it down, Yeah, and that's why he takes it out on his son so hard, uh, and then you think that his wife fucking shoots him, but it's really, it, it's it's honestly, like, a great movie, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, one of the main things was, so he made, again, technically not his first movie, he made a, a movie called Cabernet, which is, like, a stage play okay um and that was a direct to tv movie though so i didn't count that mm-hmm. um but that was like his first movie um that he technically made but then american beauty comes out which is an actual feature um in 1999 and then from there in my opinion he hasn't really missed a step yet mm-hmm. i mean sam mendez made road to perdition mm-hmm. which is a really really great movie he made jarhead which i don't know if you've ever seen jarhead but that's I... like what the girl who ends up going into the military and they think that she's a guy yes um he made uh fucking in my opinion one of the best james bond movies ever skyfall it, the soundtrack skyfall alone. is so good um he made um what he made. he made 1917 which is like that you know one yeah. continuous shot edited i'm surprised we didn't do that yet 1917 it's mm-hmm. really good um but anyway american beauty for me was like a movie that i think i found at the perfect time of my life mm-hmm. where it was like i'm in college i'm like 19 and you have this lead character who is literally going through a fucking midlife crisis and then decides fuck it right my wife is cheating on me i i'm could care less about my job my daughter hates me like (laughs) whatever and and then just decides to work out and get in super shape gets in great shape he starts fucking working out like a burger flip like a like a whatever like a burger king or whatever um and it's just it was just like the stars aligned and and i watched it at the perfect time and it's like man don't you don't want to have that life. Like you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to be 50 and then looking back and being like, man, when I was young, like I had so much ambition and now here I am and my wife hates me and my daughter hates me and, <laughs> and I, and all that. And it's just like, it was like just a perfectly timed film for me. Yeah. Um, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. Nice. Um, my next one is somebody who I think hasn't really like hit their peak yet, but has shown that like they can really make something special. And that's um, Dan Gilroy with Nightcrawler. Yeah, that's in mine. 
Mm. I, I wrote so it down. Let's yeah. just talk about it because like Nightcrawler was such a cool movie to me, and when we did like the the noir episode, and I was doing like research on it, that's all that showed up. And I think we talked about it too, where it's like it doesn't really strike as a noir film, but it also has like a specific noir film esque thing that it tries to do. And I think like with the casting of Jake Gyllenhaal. It just made it such like a perfect film where he is this very kind of like laid back but creepy guy that like is just trying to find like a purpose in life and then gets into this thing of night crawling where like you grab the camera and go and like film stuff and then try to sell it for news. Yeah. And when it gets to the point of him like moving the bodies to make it more dramatic, it's shot in such a like a weird real way. Man, I think Nightcrawler's like a borderline masterpiece of a film. Mm-hmm. And I hope to God, you hear me up there? <laughs> I'm talking hope, to you, buddy. <laughs> I hope that that was not like a flash in the pan for him. Yeah. Cause he did velvet buzzsaw. I did, I, I did not really care for velvet. It buzzsaw. looked cool. Yeah. But the story was whatever mm-hmm. the, the, it was just so bizarre. He did like one other film that I hadn't I haven't seen out. that. Yeah. I haven't seen that other one. Um, he's got an upcoming project. I'm hoping that it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I re- again, I just really hope that it wasn't a flash in the pan because I feel so passionately about Nightcrawler. Yeah. It's so good. It was that that weird time frame where it was Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal and then Nocturnal Animals with Jake Gyllenhaal where it's like I just felt like this was the beginning of Jake really hitting his stride and becoming like going from like that kind of like B-list like he's just the heartthrob to like main protagonist actor yeah honestly i think it was like yeah because after that i mean i don't know if it was after that but like enemy definitely mm-hmm. like this was all like in the, around the same time and uh jake Gyllenhaal has shaped up to be a more than uh he's definitely like shown what he can do because prior to like enemy jake Gyllenhaal, in my opinion was like not great yeah then all of a sudden something happened it's like it's the same thing as like jason momoa like they were just like the heartthrobs and then, boom, like, they're just fucking everything. Jason Momoa is still... He's okay. I, he's, I mean, he's... I'm, I don't really know him. I, I've actually... I don't know if I've ever seen a film with him, except for... I've seen, you know, half of Aquaman, and I was mm-hmm. like, this movie sucks. He was also in <laughs> Dune recently. I didn't see Dune. I haven't watched Dune yet. Oh, you don't want to watch the Sand movie? I want to watch it, but I want to watch it in theaters. I was thinking about that, and then I was like, you know what? It's on HBO Max. I'm going to just watch it. Yeah, but I just feel like that movie really benefits from... Like seeing it in theaters, like the sound mm-hmm. design is probably incredible. Oh, it the is fucking, amazing! And like watching it on the big screen, I feel like you need to like to really appreciate Dune. I really feel like you need to. But he got greenlit for a uh, part yeah. two. Which thank is, God! Thank God! Yeah, I mean you can't fucking have a part one and then because uh, apparently it's like everybody's loving it. So like, oh, it was amazing. In order for it to be like you know everybody's saying like yes please, and then it just not get greenlit for a part two would just be such a fucking that would give you so much blue balls. <laughs> like please, I know. And then it's it's so fun too because like he Donny Villeneuve even went on and said like you know what I spent two and a half hours building the fucking world of this movie now I can just go into it and have fun yeah so I'm I'm really excited for I'm sure three four years from now when the second part comes out yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible mm-hmm. um, okay yeah. I wanted to mention Greta Gerwig with Lady Bird so oh yeah directorial debut mm-hmm. for Greta and uh, she then since went on to make. Um, I think she made, uh, what the fuck is it called? Be- uh, uh, something women. Pretty. Uh, oh, no. Pretty Little Women. 
or Little Women. Yeah. Little Women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that yet, but I heard it's really, really good. But I thought it was a really impressive debut. I thought that the writing was really smart mm-hmm. um, and the pacing of the film was really, really great. Um, and it really, really just completely captivated me. I love I love Lady Bird. Yeah. I mean, when we did the episode, like it, it was in that same realm with like um, Call Me By Your Name, where it is just a film about like following a person through their life. Yeah. And I think it was a very sincere, very emotional film. Yeah. It was also that time frame where like Timothy Charlemagne was just in everything. I mean, he still is. Oh yeah, Doom. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But like it just blew up from there. Yeah. Um, but I still feel like it was such like a really nice film to kind of like just start it off. And... Man, that movie's got everything in my opinion. It's got, mm-hmm. it's got the heart. It's got the laughs. Like it's, re- it really is funny. Yeah. Um, but it's also got a lot of like heart and it's got a lot of, uh, when they're in the thrift shop and yeah. like, they're just fighting is like, do you like this dress? Oh, I love it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just so nice. It's so nice. But then, it, you know, but then it also like brings you back to reality. And then the whole deal of like, what's his name being gay and then mm-hmm. not like, and how she like dealt with that and how she, she she didn't make it like a oh he's gay I'm never gonna speak to him again it's like the character understands that everybody's changing and we're we're all trying to like find ourselves and she doesn't hate him mm-hmm. because that was her boyfriend and now he's gay or what like it's just such a fucking great movie honestly yeah. I, and I thought it was I thought I think it's a great director, uh, directorial debut from, and it's a twenty four of course it is mm-hmm. my boys speaking of a twenty four uh somebody that has not again done a lot but. I feel needs to, and that's Alex Garland with Ex Machina. Yeah. Ex Machina, when it came out, was such a fucking mind twist for me. (laughs) It was so well-directed and so well-shot, and then the way that he used, like, CGI to make the, the cyborg or the android, it just looked so fucking real, and it was one of those situations where, again, like... You, you have a director who was able to turn CGI realistic. And we've talked about it where it's like, I always go for practical effects more so because it just looks more real. And this was a situation where CGI really brought out the film yeah. while still making a message that, like, you know, we're stuck in a world of technology and technology can fight back. Yeah, I remember watching... Uh, I, sh- I remember I showed my ex-girlfriend uh, that movie... And your ex-girlfriend, ex machina. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we were sitting together and we were watching it and uh, she was my girlfriend at the time, obviously. Um, now it'd be me. weird if we were ex girlfriend. Yeah. Hey, welcome over <laughs> and watch a movie. Um, so I remember when, uh, what's her name? Samantha? No, what's her name in the movie? I can't remember her name, uh-huh. but the, the, the lead Android, mm-hmm. she, she like, you see her for the first time. And I remember my ex being like jaw dropped. She was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Like, it's, you kind of forget that it's a movie. Yeah, you think it's just something that, like, is really happening. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Plus, my one of my, my favorite, one of my favorite lines ever in all of cinema, <laughs> and me and my girlfriend say it to each other all the time, is when, uh, what's his name, he's talking to, uh, he's talking, the two leads characters are together, mm-hmm. and he goes, you ripped up her, or he's like, you tore up her uh, her drawing. 
and uh, and he looks at him and he goes, "I'm about to tear up his fucking dance floor." Yeah, and then he walks dancing. out. He's, and he does like a perfectly choreographed <laughs> dance with yes. uh, whatever the, his like um his maid. other fucking. I was yeah. like, "Yo, it's so funny." And it was such like, <laughs> it it was again too one of those situations where like Oscar Isaac blew up from it. Yeah. And I'm so Oscar glad Isaac that, is everywhere now. I'm so glad oh, because yeah. Oscar Isaac is such an amazing actor. He's great, and I, and he's so handsome, and that oh, beard is God. so good, and the hair. Such and, a fucking man. Yeah. Did you see? Like, but he's the, only like this big. He's I know. Very tiny. <laughs> but did you see like the like whatever he's doing now, like the TV show or whatever? And, scenes of a marriage. Yeah. yeah, and then they showed like a couple of um uh, shots of him like wearing some of the outfits. Yeah. And he's got like the gray in the beard and everything yeah. like that, and it's just oh, he's so handsome. You look good, man. But I mean, again, like Alex Garland hasn't done a lot he did this and then he did annihilation which was another movie that was just fantastic yeah and then he did the tv show for hulu called devs which i haven't gotten to check out yet but like i saw one trailer and i was like oh my god this looks amazing <laughs> yeah and then i know he's working on something else um i literally just looked it up too like it doesn't even have like a date yet of when it's coming out but it's called men okay so I don't know. I hope he's directing it. I hope he's doing something because I think he's just one of those people that like just lit a spark in fucking 2016. Yeah. And then kind of just hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next one is uh, Robert Eggers with The Witch. Yeah. Let's just go into it because he was one of mine. Um, it's incredible. It's amazing. The it, man did so much fucking research the, on it. Yeah. The amount of research. I mean, you want to talk about a director that has like a unique voice mm -hmm. in cinema right now uh, has to be Robert Eggers. And um, amazing too. Like I know a lot of directors do it, but the way that he did it of directing this in 30 days and using natural lighting, all natural lighting. He used film. He mm -hmm. shot it all on vintage lenses. I mean, he's such a purist. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the whole, I, and something that I love is just, Again, like he did f literally five years of research. Yeah. Just learning about the Puritans and how they talk and their dialect. And he did the same thing with the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. But know? he took less. Like he was doing the research while still doing the stuff for the witch. They were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the whole idea of him. He's just, he, he's so good. Mm -hmm. And he's just so um, I'm looking intelligent. Forward. And, and, and he really understands his characters and he creates a real, real world. I mean, mm -hmm. when you read his screenplays, he literally is describing the smells and the temperature in the room and what a character is thinking. Mm -hmm. And and for somebody who's, you know, trying to write screenplays, it's like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> I'm not even close. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even close because he, the man is so good at writing and he and he's so good at world building. And I think that that's one of the most important things that you can do as, mm -hmm. a, as a filmmaker and as a writer um, is to building. truly understand the world that you're creating and the characters. Like, if, you, if, there are, if, if somebody is going to ask you a question about your character, something uh, simple like, What's your character's favorite meal? Mm -hmm. You need to have an answer. And same thing with Tarantino. Same thing with Robert Eggers. Like they have an answer. Yeah. And they know why. Mm -hmm. Right. The reason why this person's favorite meal is this is because they grew up in a farm or whatever it may be. Right. And and just understanding your, understanding your characters and your world to that depth 
is really, really inspiring and also really, really daunting. Like Absolutely. it scares the shit out of you because you're like, I, I could never write something like that. Or I, I, I just don't feel like I'm that talented. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, it's something to elevate you to be like, this is, I, you this is where I want to aspire to be. To be. Yeah. And it's, and I think that the witch again, I, I know I throw this world, uh, this word around a little bit, but I think it's a masterpiece of a film. I mm. love the witch. And I think that he he pretty much fucking set Annie Taylor Joy up for nothing but success. Mm-hmm. Like just she propelled that once this you oh, know, yeah. once he made that. Um and uh and Because she's also in everything now. Yeah, she's in everything. The movie's it's got everything I want. It's got the metaphors, mm-hmm. it's got the darkness, it's got the tone, it's got black Philip. Yeah. <laughs> and I really think too, like, he has like such a unique way too of creating these period pieces with a twist. Like obviously, like, you know, the witch was this period piece during like colonial times and God fearing people with the twist of the witch and not so much making like a physical witch, but being like the idea of the witch and how it rips apart the family. And then of course too, with the lighthouse and creating like this very like sea esque timeframe while also adding this weird Greek Lovecraftian mixture to it. And it just blends so perfectly together. And I know he's making the the movie coming at some point involving Vikings. And I, I just... I don't I, know what it is, but I, I don't want it. I don't fucking care. I want yeah. it now. Yeah. Um, and he is one of those guys that, like, I'm just looking forward to everything. I think around, like, the same fucking time, it was, like, these directors that only made, like one or two films that we just like blew up on. We were just like, I need to see what they do yeah. next. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. He's mm-hmm. great. Uh, my next pick is a guy named um, Michael Sarnowski, I think is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you've seen the film, but I not, watched it this not year. Not Dan Arnofsky? No. Oh. Darren Arnofsky? No. Dan, well, I'm cool with him. We call no, each no, other. No, no, no. He, he calls, I call him Dan. He calls me Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. We're cool like that. Um, so Michael Sarnowski made a film this year that came out called Pig with. Oh, um, I want to see it so fucking bad with yeah. Nicolas Cage. Yeah, with Nicolas Cage. It looks great. And his, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Did he go crazy? Did he go like Nicolas Cage crazy? The thing is, he doesn't. Ah. And I love that, that he didn't do that. Because mm-hmm. Michael could have made this film go a very, very different way. Like a, a very a very um stereotypical way, mm-hmm. right? Of this guy looking for his truffle pig that gets stolen and... It's a revenge story. And it is, right? And, and it could have and it could have easily gone that route. Mm-hmm. But instead, the movie fucking made me cry. Oh, really? Like, it is so emotionally potent, and it's acted so well, and it just proves that Nicolas Cage is a good actor when he's given good material. Mm-hmm. Like... Like he, the color out of space. Color out of space, I like. Yeah, I thought. I think he was okay. He did. In that. He did his one. He got. He, he, he went. He went. He Nicholas d- Cage he turned <laughs> Nicholas Cage towards the end, especially with the gun. But yeah. like he was given like a serious role given, with it. Yeah, and then Mandy. I, I watched Mandy recently, and I thought again, he's a good actor. He he has proven himself that he is a good actor. Um, Vampires kiss. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a little much. It's a little much. Um, but Pig for me was such a. It was the first film that I saw in theaters since the pandemic. Mm. So maybe I, I, I was watching it with uh, with uh, just pure fucking bliss because I was just so happy mm. to be there. The Green Knight but, was the one for me. Yeah, The Green Knight for you. Uh, but Pig for me, it was it was great, man. It wasn't it wasn't violent at all. And 
I'm so happy that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really character driven. And, um, and the movie is so beautifully shot. I mean, it's so, the lighting is so great. Um, and clearly we have, he has proven himself to me to be an, uh, to be a director to, uh, to look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you haven't seen pig, you should really go out of your way and try to find it, whether okay. it's on a streaming service or if it's still in theaters, try to support it because it's a really, it's a small indie film. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I it's on, it fantastic. Uh, I know it's on Amazon prime. Yeah. I think it's worth uh whatever three bucks that it's, that, that you're going to use to rent it. Yeah. Or I'll just buy it. Yeah. Um, my next one I've talked about countless times. Um, I know it's in like a weird gray area of like his directorial debut, but Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I didn't even include this as my honorable mention. Oh, <laughs> I, really? I didn't include it at all. It is honestly still, because oh, go ahead, go ahead. It, it's still one. It's one of my top like three favorite movies ever made. Yeah. And two, it's one of my top Tarantino films ever made. It's it, not even in my top five Tarantino films. I know it's not. I don't know why. <laughs> You're probably putting fucking Death Proof over it at this point. No, 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 no. I like Reservoir Dogs. Death mm-hmm. Proof is definitely like out of out of the nine. Death Proof is number nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like I like Reservoir Dogs, but I think he's just done so much better. Oh, absolutely. But it was like the catalyst to like do better. Yeah. I mean, the way that like he set up the story and made it nonlinear was what propelled into Pulp Fiction, and. Again, Tarantino's writing of just knowing the characters and understanding like what they like and what they dislike and setting up this whole mystery story and again setting up a crime film that you don't even see the crime yeah. was unheard of at the time. Yeah. And it just was one of those things where it's like, yes, we know that Tarantino worked on True Romance and he wrote the screenplay for it and it shows in the writing. As his first screenplay. Yeah. It shows in the way that the story is set up for True Romance. But when he actually got the chance to do his own thing and do Reservoir Dogs, it was just one of those movies that like just was it for me. That was that was the thing where it's like, wow, I can watch a movie and consider it cinema instead of just like, hey, let's watch an action movie. Right. You can watch them. Yeah. Tarantino has a way of being like, wow, I can sit down and watch a movie of just characters talking and love it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen very often. No. Hateful Eight is a prime example. Absolutely. It's just a fucking mystery, but you don't get much of anything. Yeah. It's great. Um, Jackie Brown, there's think, not a lot that happens either, but. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, if Pulp Fiction was his, was his debut, it would have made it. Mm-hmm. I just. I love Reservoir Dogs, but it's not my favorite directorial debut of all time, or no. one of them. Um, I just had to put in the guy like that we love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's you know he's the guy. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we only got one movie left of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't it so sad? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you're gonna fucking get out and walk away um, after I say this, but I wanted to mention it. Um, I want to talk about uh, Vladimir Joel Johannesson's Lamb. I, oh. I I saw oh. if you haven't seen Lamb, it just came out this year, and that's I, his debut. Yeah, it was, that was the first movie, and I was extremely impressed. It's beautiful. Whether or not you thought it was the movie was good or not, you can't deny that the guy is a good director. Listen, like fucking movie critic, screen up, gorgeous movie, well directed, very well acted, very compelling. Down. Didn't fucking like it. I didn't get the fucking... I don't get the tone of the film. I loved it. I thought it was great. 
Um, I like, really, I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I actually enjoyed it more than I was expecting to like, enjoy it. I wanted to. I wanted to so fucking badly. Like the first ten minutes, I was with everything, and then when it got to the point where it's like, okay, it's becoming more kind of like kind-hearted, more of like family-oriented. It really is. I was just, like, I was like, it's a kind movie. Like, okay, I, I don't understand, but I'm in it. I'm with it. And then the last half hour is just like back and forth between nonsense and something. And I, I was say that it was nonsense. It was nonsense. The fucking like everything with the brother of them getting drunk Look, and then the you're brother, assuming something happens. Listen, the brother situ- the brother story I could have dealt without as well. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I thought the movie was fantastic. I think that the, the Ada mm-hmm. is adorable. Yeah. In like a weird fucking way. Oh, again, I kind of wish that like they didn't show her a lot. I'm glad they showed her. I'm, I loved her. <laughs> um, I thought there was some really great tension building scenes. I mean, when the brother fucking takes her out into the field and holds the rifle to her head because mm-hmm. he's about to fucking shoot her, and then he ends up falling in love with her because she's just so cute. Um, it's great. Uh, the the lamb man that comes in at the end. Wish more. I thought it was awesome. I wish there was more. Listen. The movie is based off of a folktale. Yes. And I've never read the folktale, so I don't know exactly. But assuming that he stayed fairly true to it, I'm going to say that I enjoy the movie a lot. I don't think this is going to be a Midsommar situation for me. I liked it more than Midsommar. 100%. That's a bold statement. I did. I I liked it more than Midsommar because Midsommar is so flippy floppy for me still Mm -hmm. to this fucking day um, that... I, I, it was a, it was a situation where I went into the theaters, I sat down and I knew after the movie ended, I was like, I love, I loved it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a movie where I was like, I think I loved it. I need to sit with it more. I need to like think about it. It was a movie where I was like, it was strange. It was weird, but I absolutely, I found myself completely enthralled with the characters. I cared about everybody. Um, and I thought the ending was so emotional and I think that there was a really, really great payoff. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen lamb, Clearly, Zach and I are. It's 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 going to be a divisive film, no matter I what. I feel like you're going to pick it at some point for us to do, and I'm going to have to watch it again. And, and you're going to love it. I don't know. I think you're going to like think, it because most A24 films, I go in and I'm. I as soon as I'm out, I'm like either I need to sit with this or I need like I just absolutely loved it. Like Green Knight, I was like I think I love this film. Midsommar, I was like I need to sit on this. The Lamb, I was like I didn't like it. It's. It's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, everybody has different opinions, and uh, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the great thing about film, right? Some people find movies that they love, and some people watch the same movie and think that it's dog shit. I absolutely loved Lamb. Um, and it, it hit everything that I wanted. Um, Getting fucking hives talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, anyway, do you have any more? I have one more. Okay. Um, you'll agree with me. Again... It's in like that weird realm because it's like there was a, an original air quote directorial debut, um, but it was a short film, so I don't really count it. Um, Ari Aster's Hereditary. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. It's it is. it's amazing. The man created genuinely scared me. Genuine, yeah, and that doesn't happen often. It was the first film in a very long time that was a horror movie that unnerved me without jump scares. Yeah, like obviously there's like one or two, but like. It's more of the buildup of fucking not seeing it coming from him that he created. Like, when the mom's up in the fucking corner. 
It took me three times to realize that she's up there. Dude, when she's fucking smashing her head against oh. the uh, the attic door. <sighs> I fucking, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about it. I don't know if it's because, like, October is over, but, and, like, I was just thinking constantly about, like, horror films. But, God, it still just fucking unnerves me. It sits, it sits with you for a while. And then, again, like, him creating Midsommar, which was a completely different film but still had, like, his charm to it. It's just, again, like I've said with Alex Garland and Robert Edgars, they, these were the three guys, like, at the time that only made two films and still have only made two films, really. And I just, I need more. Like, they have such a unique style to them, and I don't know if it's because they've created, like, sci-fi horror or, like, just horror in general, but, like, I just need these films where it's like it's actually compelling horror and not just jump scare bullshit. Yeah. And that's where like Ari Aster was just like this act or this director that like just created something for me. Yeah. All right. Um, my last one. And then I have one honorable mention mm-hmm. uh, because I couldn't include him because uh, it's 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 a it's a gray area. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I wanted to talk about one that really surprised me. Um, and that was Bradley Cooper directed a, a star is born with lady gaga and mm. himself i didn't know that he directed that uh yeah it was it, it was his directorial debut and i was extremely impressed not um, joseph gordon levitt's uh don juan don john no fuck yeah. that. well he got to make out with scarlett johansson that fucking movie sucks um, but, but i guess bradley cooper wins because he gets to make out with lady gaga yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah he um he comes through with a star is born and truthfully i was expecting to hate this movie Mm -hmm. um i was like this this fucking guy is an actor and like i don't know i'm like whatever with him um he's okay yeah i'm like whatever towards bradley cooper um but fucking a man he directed the fucking shit out of that movie seriously (laughs) really like directed the shit out of that movie i always find that a little annoying when a when a director also makes themselves a star like yeah it's like, come on. Like, <laughs> but, like really? You're going to have that much of an yeah, ego? Yeah. Like, oh, no. I'm, I, I guess I'm going to have to suck my own penis to get the role. <laughs> like, fucking shut up. Um, but I am I was impressed with his acting in it. I thought he was great in it. Um, Lady Gaga was incredible in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't... Have you ever seen it? No. Okay. Well, it's great. I, it really is great. And it's not a movie that I would necessarily have, like, thought I was really going to enjoy. But man, oh, man, does it... Does he... Like I said, man, he really just directs the fucking shit out of that movie. Like, I'm really impressed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's done... I don't think he's really done any, anything since, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I don't think that he should fucking star in everything that he directs, yeah. but um, I would not be opposed to seeing another Bradley Cooper, you know, direct directed by Bradley Cooper film. I just like Lady Gaga. You like her? I think she's very pretty. I think she's pretty, too. Um, She was okay in a... What was it? She's American in American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. She's in um House of Gucci, which I'm actually interested in. Yeah, uh, it looks that's, like that's something. His name. That's uh, that's your boy. That's Ridley Scott. Yep, and um Adam Driver's in it too, I think. Yeah, and I'm I'm still like unsure of how I feel about Adam Driver. <laughs> <laughs> He's fun. He's fine. Um, we still gotta check out The Last Duel. I'm super interested. Other than fucking Matt Damon and Ben Affleck looking like that. Ben Affleck looks awful. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon with the mullet looks pretty bad. Yeah, they wrote it though. Yeah, but so, Ridley Scott directed it. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. Um, I'm then, do you have do you have any honorable mentions or no? Yeah. Okay. Um. So we already talked about Evil Dead. Um. So I'm not going to include that as my honorable mention. But um, 
something in the same realm where you know director trying to like do anything that he can to get it off the ground um kevin smith's clerks i don't know if you've seen the original i've seen clerks yeah it's a it's a fun movie it's a hangout it's, movie it's, it's yeah it's a hangout movie it's literally like him discussing his life yeah and what he was doing to a t yeah um ryan johnson's brick eh. i liked it i, I thought really it was like a great it. film um i really enjoy the noir style in a high school i thought it was really fun um and then something recently i watched which was um brian yuzna's society which came out in the 80s um, he didn't do a lot of stuff, but Society was like a really, really cool body horror film um, that literally is about rich people eating poor people. <laughs> oh, okay. It's really cool. It ends with like a weird like sex orgy, but they all like conform into each other. Oh, no. Um, and then they use like this whole thing the entire time where it's like you'll make a great contribution to society. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. okay, you got a double entendre. Yeah. Um, so I only have one honorable mention, and that's... It being, I couldn't, it's not technically a directorial debut, but it is a, it is a, um, first American film. Mm-hmm. So he, he was, he was, oh, in, I know who it is. Yeah. He was in Greece making movies mm-hmm. and then he came over to America and then he made the lobster yep. and I'm talking about Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, and to this day I stand by Yorgos Lanthimos. I don't think with his American films, I don't think he's, he's missed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just am extremely excited for what he's going to do in the future. I think The Lobster, again, probably going to be a very divisive film. If you've mm-hmm. never seen it, you're either going to fucking love it or, or hate it. Um, and I loved it. And it, it's so weird. It's so quirky. It's so strange. It's so bizarre. Um, you in, you get introduced to his strange dialogue and how he makes his actors and say it. It's He is in my... And I, and I, I say this with no disrespect... Um, but I do honestly th- believe that Yorgos Lanthimos is just as much a challenging filmmaker as Kubrick was back in his day. Mm-hmm. I think that Yorgos has the same exact type of visions. I think that he has the same exact type of camera work where like he, like a masterful um, understanding of camera work and camera placement and using the camera in really, really unique ways like Kubrick does, um, getting really incredible performances out of his actors and just this, the same type of like feelings that you, that you get from watching a Kubrick film, I think kind of come out of me when I'm watching a Lanthimos film. Um, so I had to mention it, although it's a gray area. Okay. Anyway, I have a recommendation now. Oh, <laughs> um, the lamb. <laughs> um, no, so uh, I don't know if you're familiar with anything by uh, Sonos. I don't know if you are, do know what Sonos is, but basically Sonos is a speaker brand. They make okay. uh, speakers and they make, they have a, their, their kind of thing is like user, they're like really, really keen on like user friendliness. Like user interface yeah, type stuff. and I recently got a, a few Sonos speakers and they make, you know, they make sa- like television sound bars. They make um, like ones that you can hook up to like a, like a vinyl record player. They make just like standalone speakers that you can put around. Um, but they have, in my opinion, some of the best user interface period. Okay. So basically the way that they're, pro- they sound decent. Like they're not the greatest sounding speakers ever, but they're good. They're really, really good. Um, and they they have a really unique thing where it's like you can group things together mm-hmm. in ways where it's like, hey, 
I want to listen to um, this song in my kitchen. So you have your speakers in the kitchen and they're playing. And then you got to go run somewhere or whatever, right? You can then take the audio that's going from there and then bring it to another room. Hmm. And you can essentially have your entire house playing Mm -hmm. all all the music, right? In every room or any room that you have Sonos in. Or you can have every individual speaker playing something completely different. And uh, you can the way that, it's just really really user friendly stuff. And I have my I have two that I set up as like a as like a left and a right. Mm-hmm. So I have like surround sound sort yeah. of like stereo speakers. Um, and you just put them like right by your sides and just listen to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, just that's, feel that's, it, feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they're great. They really are. They, I I have this product called the Sonos Ones. Um, and they're they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know prices. I got mine for free, so oh, can't. Sp- yeah, I, I think it. I think they're a little uh, expensive, but um, I will say that if you're an avid uh, music listener and you like decent quality sound and and like just user friendliness in general, I think that Sonos is a great product, and uh, I highly encourage you to look to do some research on them. And if you can find it for free, if you get them for free, then get them for free. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Zach. Yes. We're going into, in my opinion, you said uh, dark when when we mentioned this. Dark. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I am speaking. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Um, but uh, we're gonna watch and review Mystic River. Uh, no. never don't know heard what of that it, is. Never heard of it. Don't know what it is. Cool. Um, <laughs> it's got my boy Sean Penn in it. Um, okay. And uh, it's, literally gonna do no research on it. I just want to go in blind. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's great, in my opinion. Um, and it's a movie that I kind of it reminds me of my father, not from like oh. the context of the movie, but just like, is there my, wrestling involved? My, <laughs> my dad being like, you need to watch this when I was like 12 mm-hmm. and I'm like, dad, I'm not old enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> Mystic river. Yeah. Mystic river. Um, it's good. Okay. And, uh, Clint Eastwood directed it. So, oh, okay. uh, uh, that's it. So guys, that's it. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits.